The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God, who was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's word for today. So I was growing up, and every year my sister and I would go to the Upper Peninsula to spend a couple of weeks with Grandma Pat. Now, I have two amazing grandmothers. I'm incredibly blessed. Uh, Grandma Ann was much more of the, the homemaker, the apple pie. She'd make you clothes or all just kinds of cool arts and crafts side. And then Grandma Pat was, and I don't mean this derogatory towards my Grandma Ann, but she was more of the fun grandma, right? So like it was like, let's go to the arcade or let's go and you know, do these adventures. Uh, and I was five, I was seven, my sister was five. We were up there and we had an idea in our head. And we got together and we started plotting, and we were going to ask Fun Grandma if we could have a food fight, a planned food fight. Uh, and so we got together and we're like, okay, so we've got to ask in the right way. Did you ever grow up and you had to ask a question to your parents and you knew you were only going to get one shot? It's like that Eminem song, you've got this one shot to get this ask right, right? And so we planned and we plotted and we went and we petitioned my grandma and she's like, you know what, guys? I, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think this is going to be a good idea. And we were just like let down, right? We're like, oh. Well, then the next day we come outside and Grandma had set up three long tables of food. And we're talking full-on pies and grapes and every possible thing that would just smush in a hair. And she goes, guys, we're about to have the most epic food fight ever. And for a five and a seven-year-old, we had the most epic food fight ever. And I can only imagine how long it took Grandma to clean up because you don't ask a five and a seven-year-old to clean up that much food afterwards. I think we went inside and watched TV. But it was awesome, right? I think growing up, we all had those opportunities where we had something we wanted. And so we had to figure out, how are we going to appeal this? How are we going to make our case that we should have, you know, this toy? or this experience, or be able to go out with this boy or this girl, right? We had this idea, and then we had to make an appeal to it, which is really what the scripture is talking about today. We're in the series called Unleashed, and we're talking about what it means to be the body of Christ. Um, and the first three weeks, really, we just talked about more of the intellectual, spiritual side. What does that look like for us? So we talked about what is the body of Christ? What does it mean to be a part of the family of God or part of the family business of what he's up to? But now we're going to get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty, the more practicality. How do we live this out together? And I'm going to be completely honest with you. This verse terrifies me a little bit. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, 
we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're Christ's ambassadors, right? So an ambassador is someone who goes on behalf of another country, and they do life there. And they talk about their home country, and they try to build relationships. They try to build bridges together, right? And so we have ambassadors in the world. We know what that looks like. But the line that terrifies me is, as though God were making his appeal through us. Have you met us? Humans are not the most reliable of species, right? We make all kinds of mistakes. We do all kinds of face plants. And so this idea that God has put his faith into us to be the ones who are going to make the appeal, who are going to be in the ambassadors of what he's up to, I'm not sure if that was the best idea. We're not always the most reliable. Quite frankly, I'm not always the most reliable ambassador of God, right? Certainly not when I drive. I'm going to be completely honest with you. The reason why I don't have Christian bumper stickers in the back of my car is because God does not need any more bad press. And my car driving down the highway is not a very good ambassador, right, of what it looks like to be a child of God. I'm not the most patient driver. I'm not the most calm driver. Honestly, I think the reason why my horn doesn't work half the time is God was like, no, you don't get to use that tool. This is not going to be healthy for you or for anyone else, right? But this idea that God is going to use us to be his ambassadors, to be the ones who are making the appeal for why you should have a relationship with God, that's some heavy stuff. And yet what we find in Scripture is that God specializes kind of in people from the island of misfit toys. Right? Do you remember that growing up? And you'd see that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger, all the toys that don't quite work right. The, the jack-in-the-box that doesn't pop at the right time. The, the, the uh, girl doll that won't sing at the right time. That's kind of what the church is like. It's a bunch of broken people who God brings together and he says, and now I'm going to use you to be a part of something larger than anything you would know. Because I want to use you to be a part of my story of how God works in the world. To be a part of the family business. And he's saying, I want you to participate in what's happening. So that's what we're going to look at today is what it looks like practically for us to be ambassadors of what God is doing to a world that needs to be reconciled with him. That's been split away from him. That doesn't think that God wants anything to do with them, right? So we're going to start off by realizing that part of it means knowing the story of what God is up to, right? Understanding if we want to be ambassadors, we have to know what we're being an ambassador of, what that looks like. And so that's part of the reason why we do things like gather for church, where we get together and we read the word together and we hear some reflections on what God is doing. But it's not just about what happens here on Sunday morning. No, we go home and we do things like open the Bible app and be like, all right, let's, let's get a little deeper here. We do community groups where we experience God's word together. We come together and we realize, all right, this is bigger than just us. All right, scripture, one of my favorite scriptures actually comes from Deuteronomy. And it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is in the Old Testament. God is saying, the story that I'm giving you, these commands that I'm giving you, this life that I'm asking you to live through, I want you to know the story. This is your family's history. 
This is the story of what God has been doing. So I want you to be able to impress them upon yourself and upon your children. Something I learned just a couple weeks ago about this church is when we were doing the build-out of this church, the contractor said, and now what we're going to do is we're going to write Bible verses on the frame. Inside the walls of this building literally are Bible verses. In fact, this Bible verse, I think, is on a door frame back by the nursery. It's this idea that as a church, we have to know the story of what God has done. And sometimes we can overcomplicate this and we think in our heads, well, until I know every single Bible verse from Genesis until Revelation, I don't really know the story well enough. And don't get me wrong, we can always learn more, we can always go deeper, but the story is pretty simple. There's four major parts to it. Creation, God created the world to be good. Read through Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and over and over and over again, it says God created birds, and he's like, that's awesome. And he creates mountains, and he's like, that's awesome. And he creates mankind, and he goes, and that's awesome. In fact, he says, that's very good. And then he gives us this world as a giant playground, and he says, I want you to steward this. I want you to take care of this good world that I've created, and I want you to have a giant place where humanity can flourish and grow and nurture what God had built. But, but then the fall happens. Sin comes in. Humanity's best thinking trips us up. We push God away, and sin does what sin start, always does, what it does best. It starts breaking apart people. It starts breaking apart the world. Creation doesn't work the way it was supposed to. And we still see that today. We turn on the news. We look at our politics. We look at country fighting against country, and sin is very evident. But that's not where the story ends. No, we have this idea that redemption through Christ, God sends his son into a broken world to broken people to redeem them, to be reconciled. God had a plan to start bringing people back together. And that plan came to its fullness in Christ. And then, restoring creation. This idea that we're not just waiting until we die to get what God has for us. No, God's kingdom, the future, is here now, and we get to be a part of that. Creation, fall, redemption through Christ, restoring creation. That's the story that we get to be a part of. And each part of Scripture is telling a different part of that story, a different aspect. And it's kind of circular where you see it happen again and again and again because God is finding different ways to tell that story. So first and foremost, we have to know what we're talking about. But then, then we get to participate in the story of what God is doing. We find that in Scripture is that our God says, I don't want you just to be on the sidelines. I have a plan for you, he says. I have good for you. In fact, I created you to do good works, Scripture tells us. He says, and I want you to be able to participate in what I'm doing. This past week, we as a church actually got to do that, where we loved on Baghdad Elementary. This was Teacher Appreciation Week. And so we as a church got together and said, hey, how can we love on this school that we've just adopted? And so last Sunday, we wrote thank you cards to every single staff member as a church. We had them in the back of the hall, and we were able just to write through, scribble down a note of just encouragement or thanks. We brought them cookies. And then on Tuesday, oh, dang it. Oh, no, no, no. I think it's here. Wait for it. There we go. We took out about 35 teachers to happy hour. If you want to make friends fast, 
send a note saying, we would love to buy you free booze and free food after work. The school, literally, it was fun to just talk to the teachers, talk to the principal, and they're like, wait a second. So this church, they said free drink. Are they talking tea? Or are there other beverages that are available, right? And to be able to go in and say, we love you. And what was awesome was it wasn't just me as a pastor or Rick as the volunteer coordinator showing up. We sent six different people in as kind of the advanced Baghdad team that were able to just love on teachers, that were able to say, hey, we want to know, we want you to know, A, that we love you. But then beyond that, we want you to know that we want to be partners with you. We want to be advocates for you because we're participating in the story that God is doing. We see this, and this is where the scripture comes from in Matthew 4. As Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Jesus comes into the story. He says, I'm here to redeem the world. I'm here to restore the world. And then he starts saying, and I want you to be a part of it. And I want you to be a part of it. Come follow me, he says, and I'll make you fishers of men. Come follow me, and we're going to restore a broken world. And he tells his children, I want you to be able to participate in that. And so events like Baghdad, where we get to go and just say, we love you as teachers. We believe in your mission to educate students, and we want to partner with you in that. We want to advocate for you in that. We want you to know that you are not alone. We get to actually get our hands dirty. And then this is something that we sometimes have in the churches. We have this duality of, is it more important to know and to tell the story, right, that God loves you? Or is it more important to live the story? And so we end up saying it's got to be one or the other. And so you kind of have Christianity falling into two camps. And one of the camps will go out and they'll hand out Bible tracts, right? And they'll say, do you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you know that God wants you to be reconciled to him? Maybe they post a lot on Facebook, right? And they, they know the story a lot, and so they tell that story a lot. And then you've got another side of Christianity that says, no, what's most important is how you live. And so you want to be able to show up at events like Baghdad, or you want to go and you want to feed the homeless, or you want to just live this out. And so we have these two dualities that happen. Right? There's an uh, old kind of proverb that says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And it kind of shows this divide that happens. But what we find in Scripture is that there isn't supposed to be a divide. It's not either, well, you either know the story or you live the story. What we find in Scripture is that God is calling us to narrate the story. So, to take an example, at Baghdad, got to hang out with some teachers. And when they asked, well, why are you here? I got to narrate the story of what God was doing. Well, we really believe that God loves kids. And we believe he wants these kids to have every chance to succeed and to thrive because that's who our God is. And in that moment, I got to narrate what God was doing. 
It wasn't about either just telling the story or living the story. I would literally be able to say, this is what God is doing in time, in present tense. I got to be the narrator of who God was. I got to tell his story by living his story. And as Christians, sometimes we can look at that and we can think, okay, so this is my on-ramp. And so someone says, so why are you here? Why are you loving? And we immediately go to, do you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Right? And we get there because we're like, that's what needs to happen right now, this second. But that might not be the natural on-ramp to the story. When we're at Baghdad, the on-ramp is, we believe God cares about the world. And that's the natural on-ramp. But when someone dies or gets cancer, well, maybe the on-ramp of the story is, you know what, we live in a broken, fallen world, and there's something called sin, and it just mucks everything up. Maybe the on-ramp of the story is hope of when we're struggling, when we're wrestling with someone, and someone says, but how are you doing, how are you managing to get through this? Well, the on-ramp is, well, we have a God who specializes in broken situations, who came to redeem a broken world who didn't want to leave us isolated from him, isolated from community. You see, as we participate in the story, there are on-ramps to different parts where we can talk through, this is what God is doing in this moment. And sometimes it's talking about how God originally created the world. Sometimes it's talking about, yeah, the world is broken. Sometimes it's talking about an awesome Jesus that we have who comes in and gives us hope and forgiveness and love. And sometimes it's getting our hands dirty and saying, but you know what? We have a God who's not done yet. And we have a God who has a plan for Leander and North Austin. And we get to be a part of what he is doing. And so we're going to jump into the trenches with him. We're going to jump into the trenches with the teachers and the police and our neighbors and the Spanish market down the road. And we're going to say, well, we want to be here because our God wants to be here. And he has plans for you. And so we get to narrate that story. We see this in Jesus. After he resurrects, he's walking with some men who don't even realize who he is yet. And they're heartbroken because they think Jesus is dead, but he's back and he's walking with them. And he says, Jesus said to them, how foolish are you? How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then what does he do? He says, and then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, the Old Testament, he brings it in. He explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going to go farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened. They recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Again, I'm pretty sure he winked at them at that point. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Jesus is walking with these men who are heartbroken, who don't realize the story that they're actually participating in in that moment. And then he opens the scriptures. He uses that as the on-ramp. And he's like, let me tell you about what God is doing here and now. And as he narrates the story of what God is doing, their hearts start to change. Their hearts start to burn within them. And they're like, I want to be a part of this. Something different is happening here. They run back to the other apostles, and they're like, guys, our God is not dead. He is alive, and he is moving. They knew the story. They participated in the story, and then Jesus narrated the story to them, and then they took that story, and they said, and this is what God is doing now. Church, we have an opportunity as God's people to walk with him, to be a part of what he is doing, to participate in that. And then as we walk with people outside of this church, 
our neighbors, our friends. We get to narrate that story together. And we're going to have a duality because we don't want to just institutionalize it, right? Okay, you can only love on people if you're doing it with the church, right? That is not the point. You can love on it when you're mowing the lawn for your neighbor or when you send them a thank you card or a Mother's Day card, right? And yet at the same time, one of the cool things that happens is when we work together, it creates another natural on-ramp. Because when you show up as the church, people start to ask a few more questions, right? If I show up by myself at a soup kitchen and just say, hey, I'm here to volunteer, that's good. That's restoring the kingdom of what God is up to. But when the church shows up together, it says something. It builds something. And then that on-ramp for conversation, that on-ramp to narrate the story a little bit more specifically and connect it directly to what God is up to becomes a little bit easier. And so as a church, we're going to continue to love. We're going to continue to put each and every one of our members, our family, out in the community to be that part of the story where we restore, that brings grace and hope and love and beauty. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you as children, Uh, children who often are living in the fall part of the story who don't represent you as clearly as we should, who forget the grace that you have given us. Lord, we come before you now humbly asking forgiveness for the times when we don't participate in your story. In fact, we tell other stories that don't represent you at all. And yet, Father, Lord, we also come before you boldly asking for forgiveness because that's part of our story. We have a God who constantly tells each and every one of us that that you are reconciled with us, that our sins are forgiven, that you remember them no more, and then you send us back out into the community. And Lord, I pray for that sending. Lord, Acts has always been a church that wants to send people out into a sending, changing world. Lord, we pray for the courage. We pray for your spirit to go ahead of us. Lord, to open those doors to prepare on-ramps, to be able to tell your story about what you're doing, and to be able to participate in loving our neighbor, loving our community, loving this city and beyond. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others, and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.